blessing to give. The Bible actually says that. So thank you for your heart and your, the vision that you have also for what God is doing here. And yes, we are turning 35 this year as a church. So if not for the hearts of the people, if not for your hearts and the generous heart that you have in giving, uh, many lives would not be changed today. And of course, it's through God, but he partners with us and, he with, and, and we with him so that more people can come to know him as Lord and Savior. Oh, we are in this series, Forever Family, and last week we uh, talked on Mother's Day about the value of family. So I want to welcome you back if you were here last week for the first time on Mother's Day. And also, congratulations to all the graduates uh, this past week from college, moms and dads and uh, aunties and uncles, grandparents. Congratulations, too, for all your hard work in helping uh, with those who graduated. So if you're here this morning, we just want to say congratulations to you and your ohana for that uh, that season and, and such hard work. So we want to say good job. But we're going to be talking about this word today that we all struggle with, and it is the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's not a word we love to use, but we love it when it happens. Difficult to do, but thankful when done. We're going to learn the value of forgiveness, and God gives us value in forgiveness. But I wanted to kind of show us a little bit what this looks like, so I'm, I'm going to bring up two people, two friends of mine, uh, Kashi and Matt Daikema. They have, uh, they've recently been married um, some time ago, not recently, this is a while back, because two years ago. Oh, let's welcome up Matt and Kashi as they come up, and um, you are expecting... So that's going to be good. Thank you, Kashi, for being here. Matt, thank you for being here. Kashi grew up in our youth ministry, so this is going to be fun. I just want to ask you a couple questions about forgiveness, and this this should be pretty easy. So um, you understand the value of forgiveness, right? This is going to be good. Okay, so uh, was there ever a time that you got into a fight or an argument or something that was uh, maybe tense, intense? Was there a... Well, I think the last time we did was last week. Okay. It was last week Friday. Wow, that's kind of, and, yeah, that's um, not yeah. too bad. And, you know, I was cooking, and of course, you know, I got to cook, we got to eat and all that stuff, and he forgot to call me and let me know that he was going to be late. And so <laughs> we was getting hungry, and so I got pretty upset about that. Okay. And, uh, oh. What's, what's that noise? That's just the sound effects. Okay, so here, here, here to help... Because we want, to, we want to bring a mediator, not just myself, but because I want to ask you some questions. But we're going to bring a mediator, and it's a good friend of yours, oh. and so that's, it's, it's all done in love. Her name is Bunny Correa. So we're going to welcome up Bunny. She's going to be your referee. Can we just welcome up Bunny? She should be here pretty soon. Okay. Let's welcome up Bunny. She's going to be here. Thank you. Okay. So Bunny's, Bunny's going to help, and she's just going to kind of be between the both of you and Hi guys. actually be your referee. So. We're going to go over some rules, shall we? Okay. What's going on? The rules are no biting, no scratching, no name-calling or hair-pulling, no bringing up past fights, no bringing in the in-laws, children, friends, pets or siblings, no phoning a friend, no Googling more information, no texting during this time, no Facebooking the results of today, no using the words always and or never. All recordings of the show must be approved by our organization. No retaping, editing or selling of the show will be permitted. No gang signs, no rude gestures and absolutely no comparing of each other to your parents. No comparing at all. No faking incompetence to understanding the questions and no sarcasm. Product available on demand only. Some restrictions may apply. See store for details. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. got sure. it? Good. Got it. Yeah. We can get started now. Okay, so Matt, let me get this straight. So you were late, and yeah. you didn't even call. I know. <laughs> um, but I was really busy. I was really busy. Yeah, but you could have taken 30 seconds to give me a call and let me know. Um, I'm sorry about that, but I was really busy. But you didn't act sorry. You acted pretty pilau about it. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Penalty. No name calling. Oh, no name calling. You can't, you can't call names. Yeah. You always do that. Oh, what? Sorry. <laughs> no using the word always. Okay. That's yeah, another that penalty. The, that was in the rules, if you heard the rules. Yeah. So. Okay, so. I'm ready. Yeah. I'd, I'd be careful with your answer. Yourselves. 
Just don't. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. It's not like it would have mattered, anyways. What would you have done? Uncooked the food? If oh, I yes. penalty! <laughs> sarcasm. You can't, you can't use sarcasm. So I yeah. just would have felt better had you given me a call. <sighs> this is ridiculous. Was this your mom's idea? Oh. That's two penalties. Bringing in the in-laws. No <laughs> using the in-laws. Oh, gosh, buddy. Okay. Oh. I mean, this, this is pretty ridiculous. It really wasn't that big of a deal. Like, I was really, really over it. Yeah, so. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have called, and I will try to do better in the future, I promise. Oh, that's no, good. Hey, see? That's Forgiveness. Good. That works. Oh, well, I don't think we're done yet. Oh, oh no, no, we're done. Oh. I'm forgiven, Bunny. Don't ruin it for me. Well, um, I don't walk away from the ref. That's not in the rules. But I, I am the rules. Wow. Wow. Okay, you guys can be dismissed. Can we just thank them? This is, this is, this is normal. This happens in a family. Hey, wouldn't it be great if every single one of us had a referee in our home? Or, or wouldn't it be great? What do you think? Wouldn't it be great? Did you know that the Bible actually says we have a referee? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know that word rule actually means umpire? Yeah, if we have Christ ruling in our hearts, we will have an umpire, better than that, in our hearts. And so every now and then when we come into conflict, we're going to hear kind of like the Holy Spirit's whistle just gently blowing into our hearts, saying, okay, that was a little harsh. That was done out of anger. That was bringing up the past. You know, and I think we all want to do well in this area of forgiveness. So you can take out your notes as we talk about this word this morning, but not just the word forgiveness. We want to learn the value of forgiveness. What does it do for us? How does it help? And at the same time, what happens when we choose not to forgive? What happens in our hearts? How does that affect our family? See, we're going to encounter various situations that offend us, anger us, hurt us, some from our own doing, some from other people. But regardless of where it all began, we will still deal with this thing called unforgiveness. It happens in our heart. We want to learn the value of unforgiveness, uh, the value of forgiveness, and learn how can we deal with this thing called unforgiveness. So some time ago, Heidi and I were at a, a conference, and we were staying at this one hotel. And I, I like going to the, the gym to kind of get a quick workout. And sometimes at a conference, it's hard to find the time. You have to either go early in the morning, like at 5 in the morning, or late at night when everything is done. So I went there late at night, and when I walked into this gym, it was amazing. It was huge, probably close to this size of our, our church, uh, uh, this building. And when I walked in, I had to go through this one area where you can check in. And then they had this huge basket of fruits. Now, it's 1230 at night, and no one's in there. But I see bananas, and I love bananas. And so I figure, no, no one's in here, so I'm not going to take the bananas now. I'll just take them right when I'm done working out, and then I, I'll get a quick meal in there. So I, as I'm working out, I see this guy come in, and he's just checking the place out. Because he still has, like, his clothes on. You know, I think he just flew in or something. But he's walking around. He's just checking out all the equipment. And then he takes the bananas and leaves. And I'm thinking, he didn't even work out. And he's t- I- I'm thinking, that's, those are my bananas. I am those bananas. That's, you know, we're walking. That's my bananas. So that's my bananas. So he walks out. And I'm dealing with this anger. I have no clue who this guy is. And I don't know why I'm angry. So I tell Heidi the next day what happened, and she said, so what's the lesson? I said, the lesson? The lesson is he should not take bananas from the workout room unless he works out. That should be a rule. She goes, no, what's the lesson for you? I said, take the bananas first. When I walk in, I'm going to grab the bananas. Then she goes, what if that's what he did last night? And he was working out. And someone took the bananas. And then he said to himself, I'm going to take the bananas before I work out. What if he did that? And I'm thinking, am I overthinking this? What do you think? Am I overthinking this? Yeah, you would do the same thing too. You do that at work. The same thing. Oh, who took all the cookies? You do the same thing. So here's what I was thinking. Here's what I was thinking. If 
if we read into others' decisions and sometimes the things they say, we're going to harbor bitterness because sometimes we read into things too much and then we hold on to unforgiveness. And because of unforgiveness, now it ruins us. That guy who took the bananas could care less. He went home or back to the hotel room, loving life, eating his bananas, not worried about me. He could care less. Apparently, he could care less about me. He took the bananas. I, I've since dealt with it. Maybe not because I'm still kind of... But I'm thinking, he's done. He's free. I'm the one that was stuck. And that's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness keeps us a prisoner, not the other person. They're done with it. They're on their way. And we're the ones dealing with this. So we want to be people who not just learn how not to take on an offense, but how do we deal with it when we do? Some of us take on an offense that wasn't even intended to come our way. Two people fight because we love this one person. We take on that offense, and now we're dealing with this unforgiveness toward that, other, toward that other person, and God's grace is not even given to us because it didn't happen between us and that other person. It happened between two other people. So now I'm dealing with unforgiveness, and now these two, maybe they get things right, and they didn't tell you. And now you're dealing with this unforgiveness, and every time you see that person because they did that to your family member or your friend or your coworker or someone else, you hold unforgiveness against them. They're free to go while you stay imprisoned. And we wonder why it's so difficult to forgive. Sometimes we just take on an offense and God says, it wasn't yours to take in the first place. It was between those other two people or that family or th these these. Uh, your co-workers or whatever it was but we take on the offense and then we're stuck but God has a way for us to unleash these things did you know that unforgiveness says more about our spiritual maturity than someone else's when we take on an offense it says more about us than it does about the other person even though we may say oh that I thought they were a Christian and you're one too I thought they were a Christian in other words, we become just like the people we hold unforgiveness over. We become just like that. Even though we don't want to, we become just like that. So we want to talk about how do we deal with all of this? How do we get this out of us? Some people don't even realize that they've hurt you. We don't realize that we hurt other people. Sometimes people come up to us and say, you know what you said yesterday, you know, I got hurt. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't even mean that or that wasn't the intent. But nonetheless, we still get hurt and we still hurt people. Like we always say, hurt people, hurt people. But hurt people who have been healed help hurt people get healed. And that's who we want to become. We want to become people who have that forgiveness inside of us. Like Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, what do you do with people who don't know what they're doing? The Bible calls it an ignorance. Not you're ignorant. It's an ignorance. It's I didn't know I was doing that. Like before we came to know Jesus, we were ignorant to his ways. So we didn't know what we were doing. But since we've come to know Christ... Now we know what we're doing. Now we're held more accountable for the things we do. But before Christ, we were ignorant. We didn't know that we were doing these things. So it is with people that don't know what they're doing towards us, even especially non-believers. And you might think, no, they, they know God. They know God, yeah. But they may not know Him in, a, in that kind of relationship. So maybe they're getting to know God. So there's more grace over those people because they don't know yet. Oh, no, they know exactly what they're doing, okay? So what do you do with the people who know exactly what they're doing? They maliciously hurt you. They betray you. They backstab. They lie. What if they're believers? What do you do then? Well, we got to remember this. Christians still have fleshly judgment, we still have our flesh attached to us. Now, that's not an excuse. That's just reality. We have our flesh still attached to us. So what, we, what do we do in that case when it's another Christian 
Here's what we do. Don't take on the offense. See, if you're a believer and they're a believer, you don't take on the offense because you're of the same body. You're of the body of Christ. You take on the offense, you hurt yourself as well as the other person according to the body of Christ. So you just don't take on that offense. So what do you do if they keep doing things? Do you become a welcome mat? No, you just don't take on the offense. Then you don't have to worry about unforgiveness. If you don't have unforgiveness in your heart in the first place, you're not going to be imprisoned by it. So you just don't take on the offense from the beginning for those who know exactly what they're doing. Because you know that they're, if you know that they're maliciously trying to hurt you, then you have the authority to not take on the offense. You didn't have to yell back. You didn't have to retaliate. Because your maturity should be that of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. See, there are some people who just take on offenses from others and now they're imprisoned. They're still hurt. They're, anger. they're, they're angry. They're, they're bitter. Or they're, they're still irritated. These are all symptoms of unforgiveness. In fact, there's a, there's a passage in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, and I'm going to read it to us. Chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And if you do have your Bibles, you can turn there. But I'll read it to us. And Jesus is giving this parable and he's, he's helping us to understand what happens, what, what, the, what is the process, and what does that look like when there's unforgiveness, and how does it start off in the first place, and then how can we, how can we do better, and, and where does it end up when we choose not to forgive? Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says, Then Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, of course, in those days when you forgave, that was, a, that was a tough thing to do. But if you forgave seven times, it meant you were like super spiritual. So Peter goes for the extreme. He says, so Jesus, so, uh, you know, should I forgive like seven times? Because it uh, shows my maturity. And Jesus says, oh, whoa, Peter, seven times? No, I, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, Peter was saying, here's the maximum that makes me look good. So Jesus, should I stop there? And and it's almost like Jesus was saying, Peter, you don't get it. There is no limit to forgiveness because you're going to hit that maximum all the time. So there is no maximum. Jesus continues in verse 23, and he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. In other words, we all have an account of debt that needs to be paid for. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, because we can't pay our debt of sin, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. In other words, in order for us to pay for our sins, it'll cost everything of us and even more if we were to even try. And even that is not going to be enough. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So it's like a million dollars that he owed that was forgiven compared to a dollar that he's looking for this guy who owes him a dollar. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Now listen, he's saying the same thing he said to his master, who he owed. He said, he fell down and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So he didn't do to his fellow servant 
what his master did to him. His master forgave him all that debt, but he didn't forgive him his. And so now when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, so now he's coming back to his master who forgave him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the, to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And then Jesus brings it back to the Father and he says, So my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You see, we're, we're all going to deal with this thing called unforgiveness. We're going to be in situations where we're going to take on an offense. But at the same time, may we never forget how much we've been forgiven. For a person who has a hard time forgiving shows that we have a hard time understanding how much we've been forgiven. And once we understand that, so much easier to forgive. Now, we're going to also look at, well, what if that person is, is a mean person? I mean, do we, I just let them get away with what they did? Does that mean uh, I'm validating what they did was right? No, not at all. Forgiving someone doesn't mean they were right. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you weren't hurt. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that an injustice didn't take place. All it means is that you're being set free. It's, it's never about the other person. Forgiveness is always here. It helps us. It's not for the other person. When Jesus gives this illustration about this brother forgiving, or when Peter says, how often shall I forgive my brother? That could mean his actual brother, a family member. could mean a fellow Christian brother or someone close to him. Because usually the people that we have a hard time forgiving are people that are close to us. Not strangers. Like this guy who took the bananas, it was, it was but a moment that I had to deal with that. Just like an overnight thing. But I was thinking, what about the people that are close to us? It's not an overnight thing. Sometimes it's weeks, months, years that we're dealing with this. Why? Because they're so close to us. And so we harbor this. And this debt of sin to God will always be greater than people's debts toward us. And so God forgives us of that. And when we choose not to forgive, that is the moment we've forgotten how much we've been forgiven. We actually grieve others when we choose not to forgive. That's what happened to that servant's friends. They were grieved because he didn't do the same thing. He didn't forgive. See, we won't forgive if we don't understand God's compassionate love for us. We won't forgive if we don't understand God's compassionate forgiveness towards us. That's what happened with the master. He had compassion toward that man, and he forgave him all his debt. See, we're going to pay one way or another. We're either going to pay by forgiving, that's our payment, which has a better end result, or we're going to pay by imprisonment of unforgiveness. Either way, we're going to pay. I'd rather pay the other way so that we could be set free. Otherwise, we're going to be in prison. T.D. Jakes, who is a wonderful pastor, he says this, and he wrote a book about unfor uh, forgiveness. He, he writes this, Unforgiveness, unchecked, becomes a cancer to the soul because it never stays where it starts. It spreads and begins to affect every, every area of your life, your family, your children, other people. In unforgiveness, we are still empowering our history at the expense of our destiny. We are still empowering our history. In other words, our past. We're still empowering our past at the expense of our destiny, of our future. It's like we jeopardize our future and we put our future on the block of dying 
by staying in this area of unforgiveness. It just eats us up. Unforgiveness eats away at us. That's what cancer cells do. They eat away at the positive cells. We understand that. We have family members. Some of you are still dealing with that. We pray for God's healing. Unforgiveness is just like that. And it eats away at anything positive that should be happening in your life. And it's amazing because when we're dealing with unforgiveness towards someone else and we see them happy, we get even angrier. Because we're thinking, why are they so happy? Oh, I can't stand them anymore. You're still in prison. They're free. They're floating. They're flying. They're accomplishing their dreams, which makes you even more frustrated. And it keeps you even more imprisoned. So I I say, let's do something about unforgiveness today so that we can be set free to live life to our fullest potential. And God's going to show us how. Otherwise, it's going to spread into the next relationship. It's going to spread into the next job, the next friendship, the next marriage, unless we do something about it. Here's the first thing, if you want to write this down. It's very simple. we got to remember this, that God offers us forgiveness. He offers that to us. That's the first step. we got to accept God's forgiveness towards us. Otherwise, we won't have the power to forgive. It's like the master who forgave a million dollars to that servant When we understand that concept, now we're in the plus. If he forgave us a million dollars and someone owes us one dollar, we are still in the plus. And so because God forgave us all of our sins, we're still in the plus when we forgive other people. So we got to understand God's forgiveness towards us. Unforgiveness is too much of a price to pay to hold on to. It ruins us from the inside out and affects us our surrounding. That's why 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, that's the word if, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not based on our behavior. It's based on how good He is. We just need to come to Him and ask for forgiveness. Confess it to Him because He offers it to us. Micah, verse uh, 18 of the of chapter 7, the prophet Micah says, who is, like, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. He delights to show mercy. That's who God is calling us to be, people who delight in showing mercy. That when people do something that may be wrong or, or maybe they did something out of, they were trying their very best, they didn't come out how you want it, whatever the case, that we would show mercy and delight God's heart. It's hard for us. But not unless we understand God's forgiveness toward us. See, you can only forgive when your love for God is greater than your love for bitterness or resentment. It's the only way we can forgive. It's when our love for God is greater than our love to stay bitter or our love to be resentful. Our love for God has to be so much greater. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I thought that very interesting, and I thought, wait a minute, I thought God forgives us. Here's the principle. God is a very just God and a very empowering God. In other words, he's saying, if you can't even forgive, how can you accept forgiveness? It's in the same arena. How can you even accept it? I came across this article, and according to a 2012 study, it says this, forgiveness is important in reducing anger and increasing one's overall well-being following a hurtful act or situation. So here's the study. The study that they conducted looked at the outcomes of people working through an angering event, comparing whether or not the participants worked specifically on finding forgiveness or merely anger reduction strategies like deep breathing, relaxation, those type of methods against a control group. So they studied these two groups. The study found that the group working with a forgiveness-related focus ultimately ended up with a greater reduction 
in desires for revenge, levels of hostility, and psychological symptoms as compared to the group focusing on anger-reducing strategies. Additionally, the forgiveness group members showed a lasting effect in increased empathy that was not present in the anger reduction or control groups. One of the researchers states this, forgiveness interventions seem to be very effective at helping people not only cope with anger and work through those negative feelings, but also move the person to a better place of acceptance and even human flourishing. This study also emphasizes the importance of achieving forgiveness after being wrong because it does not only reduce unconstructive or potentially damaging thoughts and behaviors, but also works to increase positive behaviors and feelings with oneself. This research shows and serves as an important tool to spread the message of forgiveness in that it may not be entirely beneficial to simply work on reducing anger. In the future, when trying to cope with a hurtful experience of some kind, it may be valuable to keep in mind that you do not always have to forget, but research shows you should definitely work on forgiving. Forgive and forget is not easy to do. Sometimes we can forgive. It's just so hard to forget. But did you know that when we ask God for forgiveness, He chooses to forget? Forgetting is a choice, not a memory-blocking skill that takes place. It's you, you're constantly choosing, and it takes time. Sometimes we never forget it. But it doesn't mean we don't forgive. See, when you try to forget in the sense of just trying to sweep it under the rug, that doesn't work because forgiveness does not come as a result of sweeping it under the rug. Forgiveness comes as a result of God empowering us to forgive. Otherwise, if you just sweep it under the, under the rug and think, it, I'm not going to bring it up, don't talk about it, it'll show up. It'll always show itself up. It'll come out in various ways. It'll show up. You may not see it, but you just don't like how you are. You just can't put your finger on it. You just don't know what it is. Other people can see it. And when they try to bring correction or try to help, you just, it's even worse. You just take offense. Everybody's against me. You're all wrong. You're all haters. Then you blast it over on Facebook. It makes it even worse. It's still there. And God says, I want to deal with that because you're imprisoned. On the other hand, when you forgive, you may not forget but it no longer controls your life or emotions. You may not forget about it, but it no longer controls you. You can deal with it a lot quicker because you chose to forgive. Will you still remember it? Probably. But it won't be as damaging because now it's on the road to healing. And even though you remember it, it's now a scar versus a deep wound. And we see the scar, we remember it, but it no longer hurts. Because Christ gives us the power to forgive. And over time, that healing process helps us on the forget part. Oh, we may not forget it entirely, but it no longer hurts. There's a second thing, because Jesus empowers us to forgive. It will come from His power. We can't do this on our own. We can't... Some of us will try to come to a conclusion that says, well, when they do this, when they change, then I'm going to forgive them. If they come to me first, then I'll forgive. If Christ empowers you, that's all you need. You don't need the situation to change. We just need our hearts to change. And he's the best at changing hearts. He has all the wisdom necessary as well as the power to forgive. We just need to listen. Otherwise, we learn through the pain of, Versus listening to Christ himself. We were at uh, uh, one of the pools on the, on the Kona side. I think it might have been Waikoloa with our grandchildren. And I was telling my grandson not to run, right? We always say that. Don't run. Don't run. Stop running. And so he was running at the pool. And then he said, why? He said, why, Papa? And I said, well, because you might slip and fall and you'll hit your head and you might bleed, and then I'm going to have to take you to the hospital. You're going to have to get stitches, and they're going to have to poke your head with a needle. Now, 
I know it's a little graphic, but I was just being honest with him at that specific age. He was five at that time. And I said, that's, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And you're going to have to go to the hospital. We're not going to be here at the hotel. We're not going to have fun. Did he listen? No, not even with that illustration. So he's swinging on this, this pipe thing. And he falls down, hits his elbow, comes crying to me. And he says, Papa, I fell down. And I said, what happened? He said, I was running and playing on this thing and I fell down. I said, okay, didn't Papa tell you not to do that? He said, yeah. I said, are you going to listen? He said, yes. And he did. No more running. No more flipping on, on the poles and things like that. He was fine. Now, what was the difference? Pain. Pain was the difference. That's when he listened. And isn't it true that that's when we listen? It's when we're in pain. When we feel the pain, we change. God says, I have all the wisdom necessary to avoid the pain that may not last one day. It may be years that you're dealing with this pain. But if you listen to me in the beginning, you avoid the pain. But for some reason, we keep running, we keep going, and sometimes we only learn through the pain of betrayal. We only learn through the pain of suffering, the pain of saying the wrong thing, the pain of a broken relationship. And we learn that route. God says, I can still bring healing. Did you know that the context of the cross is betrayal? The context of the cross is the pain of being hurt by those close to us. And Jesus took on that pain. Now, does this mean that we trust people after they've hurt us and, and we've forgiven them? You know what the sad thing is? Sadly, some people live by the words of the late Tennessee Williams. I read this quote. And this is his quote. He says this, We have, we have to distrust each other. It is our only defense against betrayal. To distrust people. But I don't think you and I want to live a life of distrust. I think we want to live a life that we trust people. We, we want to be free to live the life that God wants us to live rather than just, oh, I don't trust you, I don't trust you, I don't trust you. It keeps me safe. But it also keeps me from not moving forward. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Instead, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, you and I can only forgive when our love for God is greater than our love for bitterness or resentment. Christ has the power to forgive. And with that power, we now can forgive. So here's the big question. How do you know if you've forgiven someone? I'm going to give you five key thoughts to help you. Now, we're going to do this right now. I want you to sense this. Okay? If you want to write it down, you can, but I'm going to say it. And put that person in your mind or persons or people. Okay, hold them in your mind. If it's me, oh, you better work on this. So if it's... <laughs> so here's the test to know if you've forgiven someone. What is your first thought when you think about them? Don't be swearing in your mind. You're in church. The second thing. So what is your first thought when you think about them? Second thing. Would you help them if they needed you? Would you help them if they needed you? I think this one helps a lot, right? Because I think most of us, even people we have a hard time with, we would say, you know what? I would help them. It's an indication that you're either on your way to full forgiveness or you've already forgiven them. The third question, what are your regular thoughts about them? That might have just nullified the second question, but what are your regular thoughts about them? Do you think good thoughts about them? What are your regular thoughts about them? Okay, here's the fourth question. This one is a little longer, but it, it helps. Do you think about getting even with them? Or wish ill will on them? Like, do you think about revenge? Do you think about, how can I get back at them? How can I, 
I hope something bad happens to them. I hope they don't get the loan. I hope they don't get their house. I, don't, I hope they don't get their raise. I hope they do bad at that job. You know, what, what are your thoughts of getting, do you, do you think about getting even with them or wish ill will on them? And then the last question, do you hope they fail rather than succeed? Do you hope they fail? Because that will help with the thought. That will help you definitely. Will they fail? And will it feel good to you? Do you hope they fail? Okay, so those are just five easy test questions, okay? But did you feel that? Some of you are happy. You're saying, oh, I've forgiven them. Some of us are like, man, I got a ways to go with these guys. So we're working on it, okay? It's the value of forgiveness. Did you know that you have no control over people who hurt you? But you definitely have control over what you do with that hurt. We can't control people. We can't do that, but we can definitely control what to do with that hurt. You know, as Christians, we have the ability to forgive, to forgive others, not because we're good people or because we want to do the right thing. We can forgive people because we are blessed with the capacity to forgive because God first forgave us as believers. See, holding on to unforgiveness becomes too heavy of a burden. I was hanging this, uh, you know when you change out your ceiling fans? So the first time I'm changing out uh, the light fixture and we're putting up a ceiling fan, uh, I'm on a ladder and, and Heidi says, oh, you want me to help you? I says, no, I got it. So once I say I got it as a husband, I can no longer ask her for help. I cannot later on when I'm struggling say, honey, can you help me? Because she will, she will come into the room smiling. So my pride says, once I ask, and once she asks, and I say, no, I can't ask her again. So I'm hanging the fan, and I'm trying to hold this thing up and trying to put in the wires and all of that. And in the beginning, it's easy. You can hold it up. But you try holding that thing up for 10, 15 minutes. Your arm starts to become numb. Your shoulders are burning. Your face becomes sweaty. Now you're dying of heat and, you're, and, and pride because you can't ask for help. So I'm holding this thing, and I'm... I'm struggling. And Heidi's walking by and she goes, oh, it's looking good. <laughs> stop, stop talking. And so I'm holding this. And then I see this hook because I didn't read the instructions. Thank you, Lord. And uh, thank God for instructions now. But there's this hook that I can put the whole thing on, that whole motor, and I can hook it on while I do the wiring. And I put it on the hook. I'm like, genius. Guarantee this was a husband who thought about that. <laughs> so now I put the thing on and I could freely accomplished what I was supposed to do now. This hook anchored this light fixture. And light, what I mean is weight-wise. It wasn't that heavy, but it became heavy after hanging on to it for a while. It just anchored it down and I was done. Listen, God is the anchor for our burdens. Did you know that you don't have to hold on to this unforgiveness? You put it in his hands. Let him be the anchor. Makes you freer to do what God called you to do. To be the person God is making you to be. To be the husband, the wife you're supposed to be. And it frees you to forgive. But if we're carrying on to this unforgiveness, this burden, we're going to carry it for a long time. And it's going to hinder us. Let him carry the burden. Here's the last thing. Because forgiveness releases me from imprisonment. That's what it does. Forgiveness releases us. Forgiveness incarcerates you and robs you of your future, not the other person. The other person is done. They're free. God doesn't call us to live in distrust, but to live in faith in Christ, to trust Him, not to live distrusting people. He wants us to trust Him, that we trust Him in all situations. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that anger goes away. It does, however, mean that anger no longer controls you. Forgiveness doesn't require you to stay in that environment. Because now you're giving your anger to God and you let Him deal with us and that anger. Not the anger deal with us. God will do a much better job. Forgiveness allows you to let go of your anger or resentment and continue 
on. It allows us to do that. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to live our life avoiding God, avoiding trying to get better. We want to let those things go. And we want to let God release us from this bitterness. Otherwise, we're not free. We're going to constantly be dealing with this. So, same pool, same day with our grandchildren. This time, as we corrected our grandchildren, they're doing their very best to behave. Where there are other children there, I'm not sure if they were visiting or if they were from here, but they started hitting other kids. You know with that, the pool noodle, that floating device? Started hitting other children. And then they started hitting our grandchildren to laugh and run away. And so we're kind of watching this and we're saying, okay, are they playing or are they actually making trouble? So they started making trouble to all these other children. So Heidi and I are having this conversation. We say, Do, should we say something? Or maybe we should just find their parents and talk to their parents. So we don't see, like, who they're connected with. So Heidi goes over to the children, and she goes, Oh, excuse me, boys. Can you please stop hitting the other kids, please? And they actually kind of listened, but they are kind of still playing a little rough, but they weren't hitting the other kids. So the other kids, now they're talking with the kids they were hitting and our grandchildren. And so the, the children that were hitting were asking the other children, who was that lady? They're saying, who's, who's that lady? Like, who, who does she think she is? Who's that lady? My grandson says, oh, that's Gigi. That's what he calls her. That's, that's Gigi. He goes, that's Gigi? Yeah, that's Gigi. So whatever their conversation was, because I'm, I'm, I can see, they don't know I'm connected with Heidi, so I'm listening to their conversation. They have this conversation of beware of Gigi. <laughs> That's what their conversation was. <laughs> so now they're just watching Heidi while they're swimming. And they're, not, they're just cautiously swimming. And I thought, you know when we're on the in the life of no good, we're not free. We're constantly watching. And we're constantly on the lookout for, is, this gonna, is that person going to hurt me? Is this person going to... And we're not free anymore. Because we're thinking, what's going to happen to me? What if this happens? What if I get burnt again? And it's okay to guard your heart. The Bible says to do that, but not to the point where you're no longer free to swim. But now you're stuck just thinking of the law. Ephesians 1 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. See, people will intend for evil, but God can bring about good. The cost of forgiveness is less painful than the cost of holding on to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness has everything to do with you and nothing to do with the other person in the sense of imprisonment. They're free. They're swimming. They're fine. But we want to be people who understand the value of forgiveness. Not only does it free us, but it doesn't imprison us anymore, especially if something was done towards us and to us. God can set us free from even that. Amen. That's the value of forgiveness. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. I'm going to call up Glenn through the keyboard. Just remember, forgiveness doesn't mean that an injustice didn't take place. doesn't mean you become a welcome mat. Forgiveness actually resets your heart, allows you to become the person who God made you and I to be. I want to leave you with this thought. And we just watched a... Uh, we call it the seven rules of success. We're doing this on Thursday nights. And it's amazing. This past week, we talked about forgiveness. And so if you're in that uh, class on Thursday nights, you understand what I'm about to say. And this is just powerful. Pastor Wayne said this about forgiveness and unforgiveness. He said, don't become like the people who hurt you. Become like the one who saved you. 
Let's pray together. Lord, that's our heart. We want to become more like you. Can you help us with this unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment? It's eating away at our soul. For some of us, it's so deep, Lord, in our soul that we didn't even know how to get to it. But you're the master at debt and freeing us from it. You understand it. And you've forgiven us all our debt. So we give you permission, Lord, to go deep down into our soul, into our heart, into our mind, to free us from bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. And help us to forgive others. Help us to ask for forgiveness. That's a tough one too, Lord. Some of us this morning, Lord, I understand that maybe our first step is receiving forgiveness from you. And if you're here today and you're saying, I've never, I've never let God into my heart. I've never asked for him to be my Lord or Savior, but I, I've sensed that pull on my heart. I've sensed that, that tug. And it's about time that I ask God to come into my heart. And if that's you, would you just lift a hand and you're saying, I, I want to ask God for forgiveness. I, wanna, I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be freed from this. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah, God sees your hand. Yeah, you're saying, Lord, I want you to be in my heart. Rule in my heart. Be the umpire of my heart. Okay? Put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together, all of us. Even if you've said this a thousand times, let this be a reminder of God's forgiveness towards us. Let's pray this. Heavenly Father, thank you for your forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me new. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help me to forgive. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said together, amen.